Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to a Red Shirt Friday edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America, continuing with my commitment to have a Red Shirt Friday guest and appreciate, show our appreciation and our honor to the men and women who've been there to protect our freedom. We wear a red shirt. You know, Scott Nelson, I see a lot of people talking about red is for remember everyone deployed. I think that's awesome, except we remember everyone who was once in the service, and the whole thing started with the VFW post-World War II to say thank you to the men and women returning home. So it's a little technicality, but the most important thing is wear a red shirt every Friday. That's what I've done every week since uh, 2002 when I learned about that. Scott Nelson joining us from, what do we call your address, Solon, North Dakota? Now we'll see Timmer. Oh, Timmer. My bad. Well, that's how long it's been since you've been willing to join me on the air that... I forgot that little tidbit, you know, the metropolitan suburban Timmer. Oh, yeah, the, the huge, huge town of Timmer that, that doesn't even have. Well, I think it does have a sign there now. Somebody <laughs> bought a little place there, and they put up a big sign that says Timmer over it now. So it's still, now you can at least see something was there when you went by it. It's still named. I I tell everybody I live at Hazard because I literally do live six miles from Hazard. Hazard does not have a post office. Hazard does have, though, I think it's at 60 people, Scott. So, I mean, it is a flourishing community. But Scott's well, here like- because I first met him as a illustrator for uh, a fantastic... You know, it's time to get Wilbur's Christmas gift dusted off again and get that out. I still have a, quite a few of those books, and now with the passing of Rodney... Be a good time to get that message and those illustrations out. When did you start? Do do we call it doodling? Oh, draw, just drawing. <laughs> I started drawing years. Well, my mom said I started before I even walked. I was on the floor drawing pictures on pieces of paper before I was walking. And I think I was walking at nine months, so I guess I started pretty early. How does that happen? How does one start drawing pictures before you start walking? That's incredible. Well, I don't know if it's true, but that's what my mom claims, so I don't remember. <laughs> hey, it. It, it, CNN gives you fake news, not your mom, Scott. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I should check with my brothers and sisters and see what they say. Yeah. But you have become maybe one of the best students of individuals that serve our country in the name of the United States military. What piqued your interest in that? No, no, just always, you know, uh, I remember when my brother went to Vietnam and stuff and hearing all this stuff, and we always had the news on. And I remember my mom, she'd be up early in the morning to see the news you know, there was always the news of what was going on in Vietnam, and then, you know, that was the last thing she did at night, was listen mm-hmm. to the news at night, and I didn't realize really what they were going through. Uh, I remember every night we'd pray, and mm-hmm. we'd pray for my brother, and uh, he still, to this day, thinks that's what got him through, was our prayers for him over there, and 
and uh, but you know it's always always been a fascination a fascination with aviation, you know World War II aviation and and then finding out all these guys that were around here that that actually flew in World War Two, you know they didn't they didn't they didn't publicize it they didn't you know most of them never talked about it until you prompted them right and uh got started doing that and uh really led you know into one led to another and you know well so-and-so he flew you know so-and-so was shot down so-and-so was shot down and taken prisoner you know by the germans and and uh really interesting getting there of course now those guys are all gone you know i'm so glad i did that uh i uh Interviewed for the Veteran History Project and all that stuff is archived up at the Heritage Center in Bismarck, you know, for anybody to listen to them. And I'm just glad, glad I did it because, you know, there was some of the kids would come and tell me, you know, they'd never heard those stories, you know, until I got it, got it out of them. And, uh, you know, if, if, well, me and others, you know, if we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have had, you know, them stories and, and now they're gone, but the stories are still here. So, can people surely can access those online if you're not in Bismarck? Ah, uh, possibly. Um, I know you could call the Heritage Center, and if you have a certain individual, I think you can actually, for a small cost, get a mm-hmm. you know a disc of the recording. I I hope that'll you know works anyway, just so they're not overwhelmed with people calling. Yeah. I don't suppose they will be, but... No, that's what they compile them for, is it so people can access them? Right. I think eventually they're going to, you know, uh, transcribe them, you know, so sure. you can, can read them. But, you know, that takes a lot of time and volunteers to do that, so... How many interviews do you think you have done yourself? Oh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I couldn't... And these well, are audio or video interviews? They're audio. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They had a, they had an old old fashioned tape recorder, you know, the cassette tape. And now I think they do it, and it's all kind of like these little digital, you know, just little tiny recorder. They can do that with now, so they still do it. You know, somebody has something, but uh, yeah, I doubt they've used a uh, cassette tape for a while. Well, that, but that's what I was using. I, you know, I don't that. doubt that. I don't doubt that one yeah. bit. That was in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. When uh, was the last interview you did? When? Yes. Oh, many years ago. Yeah, so, I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of just got burnt out and went with all the World War II guys passing away. I just, you know, I figure I did my bit and, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, I might have. Might have been Charles Miller from Raleigh. He was in Vietnam. I interviewed him. No, he might have been one of the last ones I did. Have you been drawing lately? Not as much as I should should be doing. I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> Anybody that knows you, the word lazy is not something that pops in their head. Well, you've been, know you've you been better, distracted. You, you better ask my neighbors. Should I interview my, your neighbors and put an archive up about the ambition of Scott Nelson? <laughs> yeah, how lazy I am. 
my neighbors seems like my neighbors get so much more done. See, I'm I'm sitting in the house writing up something, and my neighbor drives by three times with semi load of bales, and I don't get nothing done. <laughs> well. It's that time of year where you have a little extra time on the front end and the back end because it's getting dark way too late and too early for me. And it was uh, 25 degrees here this morning, but in Flasher, I guess it's 14 degrees. So Ooh, that's chilly. It's that time of year. Guys got to get all the stuff done before the snow flies. And it just never seems, seems enough time to get everything done. So... I know that I ask you this every time, which, by the way, has been far too long, but all of those World War II drawings that you have that are just so so vivid and so amazing, can can people access those now and look at them or buy them, or, or what's going on with that? They're all up at, uh, I've donated them to the, the old uh, Minot Air Museum, mm-hmm. the Dakota Territory Air Museum, mm-hmm. and I think, see, they closed down over the winter but i think you still could call and get a you know a private showing but that's where they are and uh i wanted to keep them all together you know for so all and they have all the stories with them and i didn't want to get them sold off and then you know they get dispersed all over to who knows where but you know they're there now where people can see them and uh you know i don't know if uh I know people, every once in a while people say they stop in and they, they see them and, and read the stories. And and uh, they were real glad that they were able to take them. And, and they kind of have a gallery set up up there. And, but Scott Nelson, my guest on a Red Shirt Friday, Timmer, North Dakota. I challenge you to go get a hotel room in Timmer. We'll be back with more Roll Route after this. Let's just talk about certified Piedmontese for a moment. And every day I mention to you that you can can and should be a supplier. If you're a Great Plains cattleman and want to get paid properly for the beef that you produce, then you should check it out at LongCreekCattleCo.com. I also want to mention that last week certified Piedmontese did a tremendous thing. It wasn't big volume. It was the, the overall thought that matters. Donating meat sticks to Nebraska National Guardsmen on the border in Texas and in Kuwait. This is a, an outfit that understands patriotism and understands that we are all in this together and sometimes we just need to lend a hand to say thank you. And there's no better way than through a man's stomach. Certified Piedmontese. Get involved. Check it out today. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose on a red shirt Friday, Scott Nelson, Timmerman. Timmer, not Timmerman. My friends, Timmerman in Nebraska came to mind, but Timmer, North Dakota, suburb of uh, Solon. Oh, Brian. Suburb, suburb of Brian. Brian. Is that, that'd be about like Stewartsdale, wouldn't it? They're about yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. DakotaTerritoryMuseum.com, during the newsletter, I went to the website, and uh, I would encourage anybody who's interested in these aviation, there's just a tremendous amount of information here. So aircraft exhibits, learn about the sweepstakes, all kinds of stuff. Scott, what I wanted to talk about today and what really got us together is um, 
last Friday. I had to leave town. I was in Bismarck Thursday night, had to get home. You attended an event on Friday that uh, clearly was quite moving, and now you're going to make me wish I would have stuck around another day. Tell us about Melvin. Yeah, Melvin, James Little Bear, um, he was from Little Eagle, South Dakota, and when he turned, well, he was born in 1930, and when he turned 17, he uh, he joined the Army, and being he was 17, his parents had to sign for him, and uh, he rode his horse to the train station up in McLaughlin from Little Eagle, and got on the train, and went away for basic training, and he ended up in an artillery company. And then the war in Korea broke out, of course. They call it a police action, but it was a full-blown war. And he uh, he ended up in, I think, in July 1950, he, he was in Korea. They were actually engaging in combat at that time. And uh, what had happened to North Korea, North Korea had attacked the South and almost took over the whole continent, you know, whole or the whole peninsula, I mm-hmm. guess you'd call it. And uh, UN forces and America got together, and uh, that was uh, MacArthur, I believe, made a landing behind the lines, and they were able to push the communist forces all the way back to the north, to the, to the river there between Korea and China. And then China got involved. And China for, China's for, forces streamed across the border, across the river, and attacked UN forces in America. And, uh, they pushed them down, and, uh, the Americans were in a forced retreat. And, uh, uh, the Chinese forces outflanked them. And many, many Americans were taken prisoner, and among them was, was Melvin Little Bear. And, uh, he ended up in a, in a POW camp. I think he was captured in, in January. And then he, uh. January of 51, Scott? Is, if, uh, yes. Um, and then in, in July 20, 21st of 1951, he passed away during, Due to to uh, pneumonia, and you know they did not take care of their prisoners. I mean, they, it was pretty rough. And when the war ended in '54, I believe the bodies of the POWs they had been buried, and the bodies were repatriated to you know back to the uh, America, but they were not. We didn't know who was who. They weren't identified. And I believe they buried them in Hawaii, these bodies, as unknowns, you know, because they had no no way of telling who they were. Well, with DNA technology uh, that's come to light in the last few years, they're going back now, and they, uh, Little Bear's family, or, yeah, Melvin's Little Bear's family, uh, donated DNA to try to find 
Melvin. And earlier this year, they, they were able to identify him out of the unknown remains. And, uh, and then here on, on September 30th, they had a funeral for him in Little Eagle. And my brother and I went down, and uh, uh, we kind of represented our Legion post here in Flasher. All, all the Legion posts around, you know, especially on the reservation, were present. And a lot of a lot of people got up and talked, and it was a really really nice service for Melvin, and his family was there, and uh, um, just really enjoyed it, you know. Um, you know, I take a day like that, and I think, oh, all the stuff I'm not getting done at home, but I was so glad I took the day to do that, and and uh, but uh, and then they had after the funeral, it took several hours. And then after the funeral, we, we caravaned up to, uh, up into North Dakota, and they have the All Nations Veteran Cemetery there, uh, between McLaughlin and Selfridge. And it's pretty much brand new. And, uh, he was interned at that cemetery. And, uh, just really, you know, really enjoyed the day and being there. I'm trying to put myself in the the position of the Little Bear family, where you lose, you know, you've lost your loved one in 1951. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it was 71 and, years. And yep. it's 71 years later until you just you have that peace of mind of knowing, here's Melvin, which right. you know yep. I, I'm not getting into the soul aspect. I'm just saying, from a family who who sacrificed because they have a loved one who's there standing up to tyranny, standing up to communism, and everything that we have been fighting for, it's just like you need that closure, right? If you're the family. Right, yep. And, you know, so many, you know, Native, Native Americans really stepped up and uh, and served. And even way back, I don't know if you're aware, but back in World War Two. Native Americans weren't even con- considered citizens, mm-hmm. and they weren't subject to the draft. They couldn't be drafted. But in World War One, you know, they stepped up in large numbers and served in World War One. And uh, you know, I think of uh, Thomas Rogers. Uh, he was a Rickera up here at the uh, three affiliated tribes, and he volunteered. In World War One, and uh, ended up over over in Europe uh, fighting the Germans, and he he was uh, kind of a scout, a runner, a scout runner. But he uh, started going out at night and capturing Germans. He'd go out and roam the front lines in the dark. And he didn't take any weapons. He didn't have guns or knives. or, And he would capture Germans and bring them back to be interrogated. Wow. And the Germans actually started, they nicknamed them the Specter, and they were scared to death of them. And uh, he got through the war and came home, and his, his the elders named him Charges Alone because he always went out by himself uh, and, and to capture these Germans. 
and he was actually, uh, I think it was, oh, who was the president? In 1926, I think it was, Calvin Coolidge uh, gave him a presidential citation for valor, valor mm-hmm. and extra, no, extraordinary material service. And, uh, you know, just, and he didn't have to go. You know, he was not subject to the draft, but he was volunteered. And, you know, he, he probably grew up listening to his elders talking about the warrior ethic, you know, from back in their day, you know, when 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 they were warriors. And that's probably what prompted him to, to join the service. And, uh, but, you know, stories like that are just, you know, uh, just I love reading about them and, have you ever have you ever read the book A Bridge Too Far by Cornelius Ryan? A Bridge Too Far is exactly where we'll pick it up when we come back with the second half of Rural Route right after this. Let's talk for a moment about the elements of healthy living. We know that we need to build the immune system. And part of building of that immune system is zinc and vitamin D, vitamin C, spirulina. But don't forget nitric oxide. Dr. Nathan Bryan has a tremendous amount of science about the importance of nitric oxide. It's on the website, the place that you can make an order yourself, no2u.com, no2u.com. Put Trent as your coupon code. You get a 10% discount. You get free shipping. You get a lot of perks by putting Trent as your coupon code, no2u.com. Now, that's the number two, the letter u.com. It's all about building better blood flow. If your blood's flowing to all organs, to all parts of your body, including your brain and your feet, you're going to live healthy. That's the bottom line. Improve your health, your thinking, and your heart. NO2U.com. Welcome back. We're all route. Trent Lewis on a red shirt Friday. Scott Nelson from Timmer, North Dakota, joining us. Um, no, I've not read A Bridge Too Far. I will tell you that my five years living on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota taught me, and this is what we're going to talk about in this segment quite a bit, I'm sure, how patriotic the the men and women on the reservation and, and within the tribes truly are. But tell me about A Bridge Too Far before we talk about that. Well, that's a book you're going to have to read someday. You know how long that list is, Scott? What's that? Oh yeah, your list of books. Yeah. Well, you you'll never you'll never die then because you you can't <laughs> die until you reach the end of that book at that list. I don't want to live here forever. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> but yeah, that of course that was made uh, that was made into a major motion picture, Bridge or or um, uh, the Longest Day. He also Cornelius Ryan also wrote the Bridge Too Far. And that was all also in uh, put into movie. Um, but if you read that book, you get in in the book I have in the in the final pages of the book have all the veterans that contributed to to Cornelius Ryan writing the book. And I was reading through. You know, I'm yeah, I wonder if anybody in North Dakota is in this. Here I come across. Hubert Buffalo Boy from Fort Yates. Hmm. He was a staff sergeant with the 82nd Airborne. 
and he uh, he was one of the few uh, airborne members that made four successful uh, military jumps. These aren't practice. This was all, I think it was Sicily and Palermo in Italy, and then he jumped at Normandy, and then he jumped at uh, uh, Operation Market Garden. And, uh, but he actually, you know, he corresponded with Cornelius Ryan. And, uh, but yeah, he jumped, uh, they jumped from, uh, uh, C-47 and he jumped in Normandy. And I think they carried over a hundred pounds of gear when they jumped. Wow. And they had to be prepared to engage the enemy as soon as they got to the ground. Right. And uh, he was, Herbert was very well thought of in his unit. And he was ve- known for his bravery and fighting ability. And he even continued fight to fight after being wounded several times. And uh, he is at one, at one time one of the most decorated Native Americans, uh, soldiers from North Dakota. And, uh, but he even, he even went on and served in Korea. You know, after all he did in World War II, and he volunteered to do that. And uh, I think his son, one of his sons, uh, actually went on and and, uh, continued his legacy serving in Vietnam. But, yeah, and that all come about, you know, just reading the back of that book and finding that name. And, uh, you know, then I got got in contact with some of his relatives and stuff. Of course, he's passed away. He passed away in 1984. But and I think he was a um, commander of the uh, Albert Grass post in Forty Eights, the Legion down sure. there. He was he was that for quite a few years. But I wish I would have met met him. But uh, there's you know quite a bit of document documentation out there about him. And, and uh, but but, Bridge Too Far was the book was written in 1974. Right. Well, and then he's actually was in both both books. He was he contributed uh, the longest day and mm-hmm. a bridge too far. Yeah, because he was in both of those jumps. And uh, but yeah, there's and he was personal friends with uh, General Gavin that commanded the 82nd Airborne, and he also did. So they had that in common. They all. And that, I think he was the only general that, that had four combat jumps. Really? Yep. Yeah, he'd been there, done that. That's the kind of leadership you need is somebody that can tell you what it's like because they've been there. Right. The movie was made in 77. Uh-huh. You don't know how they, the Hollywood license took that, but I will read that book. I wonder if they got it on tape. I could listen to it. Oh, yeah, with all tenor. your driving, I bet that's how you can get a lot of your books in is yeah, all the I, miles you put on. I would. I'd get a lot of books in if I didn't talk on the phone all the time. But it's oh, like yeah. my office time. That's when I get in the pickup is when I'm catching up on the calls I'm supposed to be making. Right, yeah. So this kind of plays extremely well into the man march. Scott, on Monday in uh, Mandan, we're hosting a 
anybody who wants to celebrate man in the eyes of God. And one of my speakers is Chief Philip Whiteman, Jr., a chief from the Northern Cheyenne Tribe, Lame Deer, Montana. He's coming over. And he's going, we're actually going to go out to the Veterans Cemetery prior to the event and make a recording because I think it's one of the great unknowns how patriotic tribal members are and how proud they are of their service to their country. So we're going to help. And, and I learned that myself, but as I said earlier, living on the Rosebud for five years because you go to a powwow and there is a tremendous respect and appreciation for the members of the tribe that have joined the military and they're standing there fighting and have yeah, they since usually, World they usually War have, you know, where they all come out and, and at the be, sure. you know, at the beginning of the powwow, they, they have the veterans the come entry, out right. and they honor them. I haven't been to a powwow for a long time since, I mean, we'd go regularly when we lived on a rosebud, but need to get back well, there. Well, you know, it's not powwow anymore. No, I didn't know that. It is it's a powwow. What, 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 Chi-Chi, I think. What, Chi-Chi. Yeah. I'm saying it wrong, but that's, that's what they call it now. I do know what a wazutsu is. Wazitsu. Wazitsu. In Lakota. Yeah, I don't know that. In Lakota, that is white man. Cause no, was... that's Wachichu. Wachichu? Yeah. Yep. I, well, I got reminded of, I was a white man every week living on the rosebud. And it means takes the fat. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. Wachichu. Wachichu. Yeah, you're spot on. Absolutely yep. right. You get to hang on the reservation a little more than I do. So and I get to listen to to their their station down there. Oh sure. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you met a lot of interesting people at the uh, celebration of Melvin James Little Bear. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a lot of a lot of, and I wish I could name the. I know for uh, Little Eagle has a Legion post. Forty Eight has a Legion post. Um, Rock Creek. His Legion post, I, I believe that's um, mm, to the to the west there. Uh, it, yeah, I'm trying to think of the town where Rock Creek is out of. But yeah, they had a lot of in in uh, and I think Charles Murphy, which was former chairman of Standing Rock, and I believe he's also related with, to uh, Melvin, Little Bear. And he was there, and uh, I got him together with my brother. My brother, like I was saying, was uh, in Vietnam, and, and and he hadn't met Charles. And I got them together and introduced them. And my brother and Charles were kind of comparing notes on where they were in Vietnam. And, and one humorous saying, "Charles, you know, I tried to interview Charles Murphy." And I could not get him to interview for the Veteran History Project. He just turned me down flat. You know, some of these guys just don't want to talk about it. But uh, but he did say that when he got, he was welcomed into Vietnam with a big fireworks display. And he he actually flew into Vietnam during the Tet Offensive. And there was all kinds of fireworks and missiles and stuff going off. And can you imagine flying into the war zone? 
under that and thinking, what have I got myself into? Get me back to North Dakota, that's what he was thinking. Right, oh, bad. I mean, and they said when you get to Vietnam, you know, it was just hot. And just the air is so thick. And, you know, you're not used to the climate. And and then, then you're scared on top of it. And, uh, yeah, I just just can't imagine, you know, like what what all these guys went through and my brother and and my brother's finally got to the point where he's you know for a long time he didn't even tell people that he was over there mm-hmm. and he still runs into people that didn't realize you know but he's finally to the point that he's he's proud of his service and I'm so thankful for that and got him in the legion here in Flasher and and he comes to the legion meetings and and uh but but yeah, it's yeah. I'm gonna put that in the same category, Scott, as the the little bear family who had to wait seventy plus years to get the uh, peace of mind. I just can't put myself in a position of your brother where you know it's forty years after the fact and you're still reluctant to even admit you were a part of something that that we as a country ask you to go and and do. And I don't care how long it takes. I'm just glad he found a pride and a, and a sense of, of being a part of something that, that needed to happen at the time. And we can't go back and change it. What we can do is show appreciation and honor and respect to those who were there for their country. Because he, he did it for the love of country, period. And that's why all... I have You can pick it up right there when we come back for the last segment. Roll out after this. I want to spend a moment now talking about coal, so much discussion about the future of energy. Andrew Henderson this morning said that the U.K. citizens are being told to expect blackouts every night for three hours because we cannot produce the amount of electricity that is needed. That's because we've moved away from a reliable source of affordable electricity, coal. My time spent last week at the Lignite Energy Council meeting and then going to Center, North Dakota, to go into the coal mine myself and be right at it's three miles from the, where the coal is mined to where it goes into the plant, electricity is created, and then sent down the transmission lines. Folks, it cannot get more efficient than this. And it is policy that's causing this problem, and the answer is you. You standing up and saying, we have coal. Let's utilize the resource that we have. Full background of information about the importance of coal to the environment, to the nation, and to you individually at Lignite.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis, into the final segments on this Friday leading up to the Man March, Man Day in North Dakota. You should come up and do some drawings, Scott. I know you think you got yeah, paid a whole. That, see, yeah, that's, I got that's a bunch a, of stuff. I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build corral. Yeah. My son is out in Wyoming hunting an antelope, and not here to help me. So I don't. Uh, I don't I, think. And that I dig be... all my posts in by hand. Why do you do that? Oh, it's because I just do it the old way, I guess, and I'm not smart enough to do it the modern way. <laughs> Yep. I know I got that, my. Back to that part about how lazy you are. <laughs> it's 
some of my neighbors got augers that you know on three points and stuff like that, but it'd be too much trouble to go and borrow it. Don't yeah, ever. I like Scott. being out there. Scott, don't I like ever. being out there in the quiet. Huh? No, never borrow a bobcat or hire somebody to come in and drill your post holes with a bobcat. Just don't do it because you'll, you'll never touch that post hole digger again. It'd get all rusty then. <laughs> exactly. But of course you'd get it like a whole week's worth of jobs done in one day if you did. <laughs> well, yeah, that would really, and then what would I do? Then I'd really <laughs> then you be would draw. There's nothing to do. <laughs> you would make illustrations. <laughs> All right, before we went to the break, I want to get back to this and get you back here where we're talking about it's high time that all men and women who participated in Vietnam in any way, shape, or form, they know we appreciate their service and their time and their and their love for our country. Now, I don't think my brother went in the service for any patriotic reasons. He went in because his best friend, Wilbert, or Bill Fleck, had went in. Now, Bill quit school to go into service, mm-hmm. and my brother Gary was going to do the same thing, and he was a senior. Mm-hmm. And my folks talked him into staying in and graduating. And he said, he says now that would have been the stupidest thing for him to do, would have been, you know, dropping out of school in his senior year. But he, he graduated, and then he went into basic training, and he ended up over there, and him and Bill were going to meet in Vietnam. And before they were, before they met, uh, Bill Fleck was killed. Mm. And so, but that was the reason he went in because his best friend went in, and uh, and then he didn't survive. But, and I don't know, maybe there was some patriotism in there, there but that be. was the main reason. Yeah. yeah. I don't doubt that being the driving reason, but uh, you got to love this country to do that. I'm just saying. Recognizing, I know that there was a draft. I know that people uh, won the lottery, so to speak, to go protect our country. But we just, you know, aside from all of that today in 2022, I, I just want them to know. And, you know, for many years, Scott, I was a part. And, in fact, today's Loose Tales, it's interesting that we're talking about this because on Loose Tales today I have Bill Brody, the late Bill Brody, Vietnam veteran, who uh, received two Purple Hearts, but he founded the All-American Beef Battalion. And the All-American Beef Battalion was founded because Bill did not want any of these kids coming home from Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever the case may be, because it was started in 2007 to be treated as the Vietnam veterans were treated. And as I was a part of that operation just about weekly for many years while Bill was alive, the most common sentiment I got from people just listening on the radio, Scott, was thank you for, for doing this because finally as a Vietnam veteran, I feel like I'm welcome home. So I don't care if it's 30 years, 40 years, 70 years. I just want to be a part of the solution to know that everybody, we appreciate what you did. Whether you signed up or were told to go, it doesn't matter. We say thank you. And there's also, I'm trying to get my brother into the 
you know, the honor flight down to Washington. Oh, that'd be awesome. Vietnam Memorial. And uh, that's also a, a thank you to them, mm-hmm. you know, for, for their service. I know that you're very active in the American Legion. Um, how strong is the American Legion? I know you can only talk about your area, but I, I think I'm, I'm seeing a resurgence of people dedicating time all across the country, in every state, to make sure the, the American Legion, and now you have the sons of the American Legion who are, are wanting to make sure that we don't lose this as a, a community mainstay. What, what's your perception of that? Well, it, it's really hard to get the young young ones in. And, you know, we try, and we do a lot of asking. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes we we ask over and over again, and sometimes they say they will, and then they never do. And, and you know, people are so busy. And then, you know, they always, always say, well, I can't make the meetings. Well, you don't have to make the meetings. I mean, it's just, you know, you... You you pay in every year to to be a member, and uh, you get there's certain benefits to it, and and our little post here in Flasher, we really try to get out and do the burials, and you know sometimes at the burials we have an honor guard with guys in their 80s doing the doing doing the burials in the honor guard, and uh, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's it's harder to get those younger younger ones that have been in the service to get them to join the legion, and so that's something which always you know we used to have over a hundred in in our legion, and I think we're down to around seventy five because we've lost all those those World War Two guys and that were so so dedicated, you know, in the legion, and now we're we're losing our Vietnam guys and and. Uh, but, but yeah, we just keep plugging along, and hopefully, you know, we, uh, and we got to keep asking. And if anybody is out there that's a veteran, you know, join your local legion because it really and it benefits the community because we raise monies and then donate it to to different things, the schools, the fire departments, things in the community that are really important, and uh, it's. It's something, something I enjoy doing. You know, I think that's my, because I never did anything in the service. I never went nowhere. And this is, I feel like this is my, where I can really serve with mm-hmm. the Legion and going, you know, I try to get to every honor, you know, when, when we do burials and stuff, being, being on the honor guard and, and that. So, so in, in all honesty, I played baseball. In the American Legion, when I was a youngster, and there was a, a chance that I thought that was part of my future, right? And I decided that uh, I was going to raise food, not play baseball, and I'm glad I made that choice. But this past summer, I actually attended the Nebraska State American Legion Baseball State Tournament. And I, I brought some folks that were from the, the air, local area, Broken Bow, Nebraska, to uh, Trent on the Loose. And it was like, why have I not? I certainly took advantage of participating in American Legion Baseball when I was a kid. Why am I not doing more today to help the American Legion all across the country? And and that you're part of that motivation as well. It's part of building the community and, and making sure 
that whether you're a veteran or not, people have a place to go as part of the community, can be a part of the uh, the civic duty, and those honor guards. Honor guards and paying tribute to those that we lose that contributed. I don't know if there's anything more important for the community, Scott. So I'm, I'm using this as motivation for everybody, no matter whether you're listening in Minnesota, Missouri, or Montana. Show up and say, hey, what can I do to help make this American Legion something very strong? Right, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty important to keep, keep involved. I recognize there's only seven nights in a week, and you could have some meeting you should go to every single night, and every day I'm talking about, you need to get to the school board meeting, you need to be at the county commissioner meeting. Well, some days you got to dig a post hole, too, <laughs> or you don't have cows in a corral that you can actually support your family and, and make it happen. We have two minutes. Scott, what have we not talked about that people really need to know about life? I don't care if it's veteran-related or not. Boy, you know, we have so many distractions in our world today. Um, I just, you get out amongst people and you look at the kids and even the older people, they're just sitting and looking at their phones. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of advantages with the technology we have. But, uh, boy, it, you know, you, you see some of these people so addicted to that phone. And I, I hope, you know, wish we could get away from that a little bit and, and, and really talk to each other. I've, I've seen kids sitting right next to each other. They could talk, because but they're texting each other, and they're sitting right side by side. And, uh, you know, I just, this technology and stuff is just, I don't know uh, what what's going to happen eventually, but, but... Yeah, I guess that's my, so my little who, thing. So who is it. your longest streak with on Snapchat, Scott? What the heck is Snapchat? <laughs> <laughs> they, they're not texting each other. I'm just telling you. That's old school. They're, they're Snapchatting and, and everything oh, else. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah, yeah something it, changed again. I used to be everything was Facebook, and then everything, yeah, I guess I'm way behind. Yeah, have you posted your latest TikTok video? You put, you should post a TikTok video of you digging a hole with a post hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I have to talk to my son about that. Did I, you ever I even get no a cell phone, Scott? That is. Huh? Did you ever even get a cell phone? I got a flip phone, okay. and I can make calls on it. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> And I think I get, I think I get text, but you know, anybody that knows me knows I don't read text, so. Yeah. That'll do it. On a red shirt Friday, we say thank you to those men and women who've been there for us. It's now, as Scott Nelson said it, it's our time. Now is our time. Both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. And this is the perfect opportunity to remind you that uh, I'm proud to represent the Wall of Honor, the wallofhonor.org, and we do exactly what we're talking about here, paying tribute to those individuals, the first responders, the veterans of the region. Check out what has been taking place in terms of putting a monitor in businesses, a monitor that has its own hard drive that has been loaded with a reel of hometown heroes. It's just about saying thank you. We need your contribution to continue this tremendous initiative. And, quite frankly, 
you probably have a courthouse, a schoolroom, a local restaurant, a, a lounge, a church that wants to put the monitor in. Get details at thewallofhonor.org. Have a great weekend.